Welcome to The Confessionalist. Today we are discussing the goals and purpose of the podcast. I'm Ray Simmons, and this is episode two. Glad to have you here. I want to talk a bit about the purpose of the podcast and where we are going. I've only had one podcast, and I've been positively surprised at the response, and I'm very thankful for that. But I've also received some questions. Where are we going? What's the purpose? So I'm going a bit off script here today, and I just want to sort of lay it out. First, my audience. My intended audience is Reformed Christians of an optimistic eschatology who are ready to do something. On one hand, they see a God-hating culture. On the other hand, they see some doctrines, doctrines such as theonomy, reconstruction, interposition, and they're ready to do something. Perhaps they're ready to transition from a reforming approach to a building approach. If that interests you, then I think you're in the right place. So what are the goals of the podcast? Well, the first goal is to help revive the practice of social confessionalism. I don't see this talked about much in our circles, and yet this is our heritage. I believe that without social confessionalism, we can't really expect to move into God's blessings corporately as as an overall society. As a reminder, social confessionalism is where all of society hears the law repents of public sin, and confesses in covenants with King Jesus. This is the, the, the practice that we, that we see in the Bible, and it was the approach of Reformed societies in the past. So that's the first goal, to revive social confessionalism. The second goal is to help us thoughtfully, prayerfully consider strategic withdrawal. Some are writing about that today. I would encourage a structural analysis. I think that'll be my my contribution. You know, whenever you decide to remodel your house or build a new one, you need to do a structural analysis. How was this house built and can it sustain the renovations or should I build a new one? Let me use a military illustration. In the military, you might actually withdraw even if you're winning. So you perform a structural analysis of sorts to see if you can sustain operations. You might withdraw, for example, if your logistical lines are not up to speed. I also think we should look at the conversations and actions of our Reformed predecessors. They dealt with the same overall types of questions and cultural struggles. They were concerned about their children. So we have to evaluate and make sense of these decisions in the past and and I think it's helpful to to look at our history. Take the Reformed Dutch, for example. In 1847, 800 Dutch immigrants left Holland, led by their minister, Henry uh, Schulke. And they settled the area known as Pella, Pella, Iowa, not far from my house. Now, how did these 800 people decide to move? Well, they did a structural analysis of their culture and and civilization. And I think that's important. If the Bible says a lot about the structure of of civilization, um, that should be at the top of our list in determining whether to remodel or to build something new. So second goal, uh, like I said, is to help us work through whether or not to do a, a strategic withdrawal. The third goal is related, but it's more operative in nature. I want us to consider a strategy of deliberate Christian settlements in rural America. And that's kind of a a grand strategy national level. I would say that something to consider is to hold ground in the cities, advance where you can, 
And then some people run a flanking maneuver to rural counties for an advance. And maybe this would happen all across the country. But on a more personal level, and this is sort of a subordinate goal, my location, my county in the mid Midwest may be one of those places. And so we are trying to see if the Lord would allow a Christian settlement and church plant in my county. We have some families interested, and we'll be doing some initial meetings soon. I'm calling it the New Dunedin Project, named after Dunedin, New Zealand, which was a Scottish settlement in uh, 1848, which, by the way, was one year after the Dutch settled Pella. You know, it's it's really been about 150 years since Christianity had a build strategy, and um, maybe it's time to revive it. But our particular settlement would start in 2022, probably early 2022. If this is something you might be interested in, go to the website, theconfessionalist.com. Remember, there is an S at the end, and you can email us and get more information. So those are the goals. Revive social confessionalism, prayerfully consider strategic withdrawal, and explore possible Christian settlements. I want to say something about the approach of the podcast. As we go forward, I'm not going to interact much with the news cycle, and this is on purpose. There are others that do that, and they do it well. I actually think we might have a bit too much emphasis on the current news cycle. What tends to happen if if we only look at the news is that we become more reactive in nature. My background is military, and in any military headquarters, you have divisions. There's the current operations division, J3. You know, in the military, we love to put alphanumeric labels on anything we can. And so there's there's J3, and there's also the future plans division, J5. Now, we keep these two divisions, well, divided. And why is that? Well, you want your plans division to create an environment where your enemy is reacting to you. And if you're caught up in the current operations, it's really hard not to react as a normal course of action. Reacting is sometimes necessary and can actually be offensive. But if if it's the sum total of our strategy, it's out of line with the reality of, of Christ's current advancing reign. So I think that we need some, some plans, some active plans going forward. Now, another question I had is whether this is going to just be about the act of social confession. Well, in a sense, yes, and in a sense, no. Confessionalism will undergird all of our discussions, but that will naturally fan out. Once you acknowledge Christ's reign, it touches our daily lives and the whole construct of civilization. Let me give you some example topics. Strategy, since that's my primary field, uh, a lot of that will be discussed, and even more of that will come out in my newsletter, which will serve more as a durable resource to pull from. We'll discuss things like realized eschatology and the ramification of that, Uh, the biblical view of decentralized government. How should we think about institutions such as corporate America? Is this biblical? And if not, what to do about it? I have an episode planned on agrarianism versus industrialism. Agrarianism versus industrialism. Some people, it seems to me, have preconceived ideas about those, but they haven't really worked through the particulars. Um, Now, a big slice of our discussion will be on finding positive avenues, ways that we can gain some ground and enjoy the gospel campaign. You know, daily life, local life, the good life, um, uh, evangelism, 
and worship. You know, all of these things, uh, we we want to be positive. We'll, we'll discuss how to worship in the beauty of holiness, and that that's warfare, and that actually claims geographical territory for Jesus Christ. I'll probably also review some books along the way. For example, I just read C.R. Wiley's book, The Household and the War for the Cosmos. I know many of you have read that. I don't necessarily think the Greek illustrations were necessary or helpful to me, but Wiley's view on the household is a Christendom view of the household, and he gives a winsome approach to the family that existed before modernism and a way to return to that. So these types of things I think will be encouraging and helpful for fathers. To wrap up, I want to tell a bit of a personal story. I started my study of confessionalism based upon a, a verse that we all know well, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, this prayer is the go-to when we go before the Lord and deal with our national sins, and I appreciate that. We we recognize our corporate guilt and that we need to go to God to forgive us as a society and set us straight again. But I was really caught up in the specifics of this verse because God is emphatic here. My people, which are called by my name. Who are these people actually? Can we apply this prayer of national Israel to us today? Is it is it the church? Is it the nation? How is the land defiled and who needs to confess? And I just thought that we were uh, being a bit mushy, I, you know, good intentions, but not necessarily good exegesis. And the stakes are high here. I've written about this in my upcoming book, so I, I won't go into all the specifics here. But to no surprise, the context convinced me that this prayer demands all of society confession. Now, I'm not saying that we should stop praying this prayer. We should keep praying it because it may delay judgment and it may call the whole nation to repentance or the state to repentance or the county to repentance. But forgiveness and healing of the land will require all of society confession. And that's the biblical pattern that that I, I started to see in the, in the Bible. And then I looked at the social confessions of the Reformed of so societies of old, and sure enough, they lined up with the biblical examples. So I was becoming more convinced. And, and then I found out there's a good bit of church history on this, especially in the United States in the mid-1800s, men calling for an official confession of Christ in our Constitution. Now, these men had gone much deeper than me and were saying it better than I ever could, but I, I had become convinced. Now, as soon as you are convinced that social confessionalism doesn't come at the end of the gospel campaign, but is a way of kingdom advancement, a requirement for today, it, it doesn't take long to poke your head up and get discouraged. I mean, how do you do this in a nation of 325 million people and a God-hating culture? It's a non-starter. In, in the meantime, the culture is getting worse and worse. Well, there's another pattern in the Bible, and that is of localism. I use the term local Christendom. It's not just localism. It's localism bound with a covenant. God deals with lesser societies distinctively, objectively. He doesn't just do this with large nations. Curses and blessings are dispensed by God geospatially. 
geographically if, and this is a big if, if you have a civilization with families, church, and civil magistrate representatives confessing him. So, there is a way, both biblically and historically, in the Reformed vein to do this today. Now, I'm not saying that confessionalism is everything we need. There's a lot more to God's gospel campaign, but it's something that's missing, and if regained, well, I'm excited about the possibilities. I hope this gives you an idea of what the Confessionalist podcast and newsletter and the other upcoming things that we have are all about. If this type of thing interests you, please subscribe to both the podcast and the newsletter and take a minute to throw up a review of the podcast if you're willing. Well, until next time, remember Psalm 6311, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped.